season snapshot where we aim to educate investors about land investment with a more analytically driven and focused approach. Here at Season Snapshot, we dig into the details. Every Thursday, we drop a new episode of Season Snapshot with a different focus on current land investment issues and trends. Today's focus is how land produces income. I'm Joey Bland, and from Circle O Productions, this is Season Snapshot. In Episode 1, we discussed the four types of land people can invest in. Last week, in Episode 2, we dove into why investing in land is a terrific diversification in an investment portfolio, especially in an inflationary period. This week, in Episode 3, we're focusing on how can land produce income. Let's dig into it. To talk about income, we need to go back to Episode 1 topic of the types of land and overlay the potential income streams with each type of property. There are many ways to create income from land that you own. Or So our goal today is to touch on several of the most common types of income options. If you've listened to episode one, we're going to go in reverse order today and discuss the more traditional ways of creating income first, followed by some of the more creative ways people leverage their land for revenue. Let's start with timber property. Timber is usually the least known type of land to invest in, and that's mainly because it's largely controlled by large landowners as well as corporations. An individual can invest in timber property and realize income from it in a couple of different ways. If you were to purchase a property that is densely wooded, ideally hardwood species, it's usually healthier for the trees to do a select cut from time to time. All a select cut is, is a thinning of the established growth, so to allow more sunlight, growing room, and soil nutrition for the remaining trees. The trees are thinned out, and assuming they are mature growth hardwood trees, then they will bring income to the owner when he sells it. A timber property can also mean growing pine trees. Pine trees typically grow faster than hardwoods, and therefore a landowner can recycle areas of the property quicker after harvesting. Income from any timber property is a longer hold, and with pine trees, the first thinning usually occurs when the trees are around 15 years old. The 30 to 35-year range is pretty typical for rotation age. Each cutting, about every 15 years, will yield income for the landowner. All of this is pretty simple, yet there's a lot of specifics that need to be covered in a timber contract 
and when selling your timber. It's always advisable to work with a reputable forester that can help guide you through that process. Another note on timber, if you have conservation interest, then timber is an excellent way to play a role in creating a better environment. Let's move on to traditional farm property that would have crops. There are lots of types of crops, from permanent crops like pecans, fruits, nuts, to rotational crops like corn, soybeans, wheat, cotton. We'll use another episode to delve into crop types more. But for today's purpose of generating income from land, we'll just stay at the higher level of income-producing property regardless the types of crops. For a landowner with cropland, it's similar to an owner of a commercial real estate property. For commercial real estate property, people want to use the space for their business purposes. And so the owner executes a lease with the people. They are called the tenants. Farms are really the same type of situation. The owner executes a lease with the farmer, who's known as the tenant, and the farmer then plants crops for going to market. As with commercial real estate, which has different lease-type structures, like net lease, triple net lease, percentage lease, etc., well, so does farmland. There are three basic types of leases for farmland. First is a cash lease, and it's kind of the simplest. A cash lease is just what it sounds like, in that the farmer or tenant pays a predetermined set amount before the planting season. The advantages for the owner are knowing the income amount is set, regardless of crop production. And it's typically paid prior to planting, meaning that the owner gets the money on the front end. Now, secondly, is a crop share. So a crop share lease has some risk to it, as the tenant and the owner will split the proceeds from the crop. If the crop does well, the owner will likely receive above market proceeds. But if the crops don't do well, then the return could be below market. Most crop share leases in our region that I've seen are typically like 75, 25, or 80, 20 splits with the smaller percentage going to the land owner. Now, the third type of lease, and the lease that I prefer given the right circumstances, is a flex lease. Now, a flex lease can be structured many different ways, but typically it includes some type of incentives for the farmer. Whether some type of modified cash lease or structured as a crop share, the owner can create a win-win for both the owner and the farmer through a flex lease. Now, for example, strong yields, strong annual yields help the longer-term value of the property. So the owner might set a base cash lease amount, but upon achieving certain predetermined crop yields, the cash lease actually decreases. So the farmer benefits the better the land performs. 
In theory, the owner might be sacrificing some shorter-term gains for the longer-term asset appreciation. This type of lease can also have much more of a transparent feel to it, where the tenant feels like the landowner is working to create a win-win for both parties. Moving on to pasture property. Pasture land is geared toward livestock, obviously, and they can use it. It can generate um, income a couple of different ways. The first is from someone with livestock renting the ground for their livestock to graze or to be pinned up. The second way to gain income for pasture land is from hay production. An owner can either cut hay themselves and sell, sell the bales, or they can lease the property to someone else who can cut the hay and sell it themselves and pay a lease amount. Or at times people will uh, cut the hay, allow the owner to keep it, but just take a portion of the hay. Now the last type of land we'll discuss today is a recreational farm. And this is where people have gotten really creative with creating income streams. With the rise of the internet and platforms like Airbnb and Verbo, people are looking for unique and off-the-beaten-path types of places to stay. Farms, interestingly enough, rank extremely high on those different platforms for short-term rentals. Anecdotally, I've stayed in a country, ultra-modern, upstairs of a barn in Middle Tennessee, a small and basic bedroom barn in the mountains of East Tennessee, and a one-room rustic cabin with a potbelly stove and no running water on a ranch in Wyoming. One eastern Arkansas landowner I know has developed several buildings on his farm into short-term rentals and they stay booked up. The point is, people are looking for unique experiences and distinctive places to stay, which create an opportunity for landowners. I've got another friend who's developed a trap and skeet shooting range on his property. It's a small business, but it creates nice income that can offset cost of owning land. Lastly is income from hunting rights. Certain types of hunting can draw exceptionally high lease rates. In this region, in the Mid-South, duck hunting typically draws the greatest value. I personally have sold several good crop farms with high-quality duck hunting that have had significant hunting income on top of the farm income. Some of those were as high as $80 to $90 per acre. That's pretty significant income on top of your farm income that's already coming in. The bottom line is this. Not only is land a terrific investment for diversifying a financial portfolio, but there are numerous ways to generate income from the land and often cover some, if not all, the cost. On top of all this, it's an asset you can enjoy.
Season Snapshot drops again next Thursday morning when we will be focusing on the 2050 conundrum. For more information, visit our website at delta-farmland.com and visit our Seasons page. I'm Joey Bland, and from Circle O Productions, this has been Seasons Snapshot. Oh, 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 oh